This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Oh, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Man, do we have a lot to get to today. Zacchino, Weeks, Scully. I mean, I don't even know how to I don't even know how to make sense of Xander Shoffley's win. It doesn't even feel like a win to me. It feels more like a eh, he kind of was the last guy hanging around. I don't know. There was a ladies major, there's live news, there's new PGA Tour schedule news. Good morning, boys. How are we doing today, Skulls? How was your weekend? Weekend was all good. Very busy weekend in, uh, in the world of golf, but some, uh, some beautiful weather in, in the GTA. Got some golf in myself and didn't play great, but, I, um, but you know what? It, it, was, it was great to be back out on the golf course here in the GTA, and it's, it's been a busy time of year for us uh, in the golf world with the RBC Canadian Open and then the U.S. Open, then, of course, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, but... Uh, all in all, all good. I know you were working PJ Tour Radio, Mark, right? I was doing radio from the home studio, Skull, so I was kind of watching this the whole week, and there were some really weird things going on here. I mean, the, the internet was blowing up because of slow play everywhere. At the LPGA Major at, in Connecticut with the tour, I mean, Shoffley and, uh, Shoffley and both uh, he and Cantley were, you know, taking their time is that polite was that polite a way of saying it and at the lpj we had two players put on the clock right we had two players in the last group put on the clock so slow play certainly part of it and everybody of course still talk and live and we'll get to it we're going to hear from jay monahan some of his comments and uh things of that nature before uh we get to it we're just waiting for uh, bob to join us uh, I'm here. Bob gets into. Oh, Bob is there. Sorry, Bob. We weren't. We didn't think yes. you were with us uh, this morning. Oh here yes. Okay. I'm always here. Oh, there. <laughs> how, how was your weekend, Weeksy? Did you play any golf? I did play. I played a few games and uh, some good, some bad, some uh, not so good. I will tell you that I and I don't mean this to be sort of a add this to like a commercial, but man, that stealth driver goes a long way for me. I can hit it in a mile. It really is good. I just got to say that. It goes that a right long way for and, everybody, and even, Bob. Yeah, even the my playing partners were uh, my regular ga- gang uh, was pretty stunned about uh, about how far I was hitting it. But uh, yeah, good weekend, and uh, as you said on television, kind of a wild, different weekend. I mean, we had we had uh, you said you talked about Shoffley Mark kind of hanging around, and what about uh, the way um, uh, Lexi Thompson kind of blew a chance to to get into a major with two short putts. And uh, Birdie, uh, she bogeyed, I think, three of her last five holes or something. Bogeyed. Uh, anyway, it was tragic. And then, uh, I mean, there was all sorts of great golf going on and weird golf going on at the same time. Well, I, I unfortunately didn't get to see it, but I heard about it because it's all everybody was talking about in commercial break and, and lighting up my Twitter feed is that, uh, you know, Lexi having a hard time getting in the house coming home. So, And the same thing was happening really on the PGA Tour. Xander Shoffley I mean, if you take a look at his Sunday score compared to the rest of the guys were charging, charging, he, he was kind of limping home as well. But we'll get into all of it today. So much to get to. Let's start with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. 
Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. All right, boys. Well, on the heels of Kepka heading to live, no surprise, by the way, that uh, Brooks Kepka going to live. Let you know. Let's go through the quotes again. Don't care about regular tour events. If if you see me on TV golfing, that's when I'm golfing. In other words, he's not really interested in golf in other t- times of his life. Uh, it's just golf. I'd rather play baseball. So none of this kind of surprises me. Now, now Matt Wolf. Uh, the announcement expected officially, it might even happen while we're on the air this morning, that that will be his last PGA Tour event this weekend at the Travelers. And he will head to Portland. And uh, Bob, this one does surprise me a little bit because, you know, I spoke to Matt back at the Wells Fargo. Uh, We were told that week that he might not even speak to the media, dealing with some mental health issues off the golf course. He's been open about it just trying to find joy somewhere in his life, just trying to be happy on the golf course because the pressure of being a PGA Tour player, I think after his initial introduction of the tour became too much for him. So I know I don't know if I'm surprised or if I'm not surprised that he just went and took the guaranteed money and kind of bailed on the rest of his career. Where are you on this? Yeah, I kind of tend to look at it a little bit like the latter. I think that he is a guy who's sort of struggled uh, to find his way on the PGA Tour and maybe the opportunity for him to play a little less golf and um, earn some money in a different way is, is something that he's, uh, he feels will be better for him overall, mentally, physically, whatever. Um, it wasn't a huge surprise. I heard his name leaked a couple times in the past. And, uh, and then also Carlos Ortiz is another guy who's gone over, reportedly will go over. So there's a few of these guys who are not necessarily big stars, but maybe at one point have been projected to be big stars. And um, it's sort of, I don't know, I'm sort of, I'm not as upset about Matt Wolf going as I was, or not maybe not upset, but not as shocked, I'd say, as Matt Wolf as some of the other guys who've, uh, who've gone on in the last few weeks. Yeah, Adam, where are you on Wolf? And, and I guess... If you're, listen, hey, everybody makes their own choices for their own personal reasons. Just because I don't agree with it and a large percent of the golf population and our fan base doesn't agree with it doesn't mean it's not right for these people individually. I personally wouldn't do it. I personally am not in in support of it. I'm personally not in support of a lot of these things that align politically with this, by the way. And I'm sick of having that argument on Twitter, by the way. I'm so sick of it. You know what I mean? So, um, but... If you're a guy who has a hard time making cuts and getting to the weekend and you're a hard guy dealing with the spotlight and you really don't want to be paid for performance, you know, you wouldn't work on a commission basis if you were a salesperson, you want that salary, then this kind of makes sense. Go to live, take the money, and and you know what? If you play well, fine. If you don't play well, that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, surprise was definitely one word that I thought of when I first heard about Wolf, given where he was given how you know coming out of college it was him it was victor hovland and it was colin morikawa all coming out together wolf wins his third uh, start on the pga tour as a pro two top fours in the majors in 2020 had a really good chance a three-shot lead heading into the final round of the 2020 u.s open in that september uh tournament at wingfoot and of course bryson did what he did there it is, it is it's also kind of strange how four of the top seven ranked players in the world from that 2000 Sorry, for the top seven players who are on the leaderboard of the 2020 U.S. Open are now 
playing on live. So it's just kind of weird how that's worked out. But definitely surprised with his career, how he started, you know, we came on the tour. We were sort of on our show calling him the modern day Jim Furyk in terms of, you know, a, weird, a different sort of swing that the pre-shot hitch. And now, you know, obviously he's had some, some uh, well-publicized uh, issues that he's spoken freely about. So uh, I'm, I'm surprised given his age, given how he's just sort of, as you said, essentially bailing on the PGA Tour to, to chase the dough. Uh, and we haven't seen an exact dollar figure yet for him, for Brooks Kepka, of how much these guys are actually making, but certainly still shocked that we're not seeing Matthew. All Wolf right, I got a quick question for you guys here. I, I have a quick question. Matt Wolf has won once on the PGA Tour, and it came in his rookie campaign. And since 2020, it's been a struggle for Wolf for numerous reasons. There is no way, zero chance, that Matt Wolf is getting the same kind of money as Dustin Johnson got, as DeChambeau, those guys. He is not commanding that kind of money. Is he getting up front? For sure. Is he probably getting some type of handsome up front? Likely. Okay? But there is only room for 48 players in a field in this format. What happens? Because with Matt Wolf, a guy that we've seen shoot 85, okay? Like, he, he can completely implode and look like a 12 handicap overnight. We've seen it, okay? What happens a year from now when Matt Wolf can't break 80, his name carries zero weight anymore, and maybe he can't get in to a 48-man field, and he, and he can't get back to the PGA Tour because not only is he suspended and banned, he's, he's lost his status. And now he's got his 20 million and he's, what, 28 years old, and he's lost in the wilderness. Bob, is that not a potential real concern here? You know, it's a potential concern for a lot of players, not just Matt Wolf. You know, there's a lot of guys here who, um, in a year from now or two years from now, if someone else, let's say there's a bigger name on the PGA Tour that wants to come and play, and you're kind of in the bottom, one of the bottom feeders, and all of a sudden you're, uh, the only place you can play now is the Asian Tour, which is really, at this point anyway. Um, so there's a very big concern for sure. And I think that there's, uh, that's one of the biggest issues for these guys is that kind of constant, how are we going to keep feeding this live tour when these guys either, you know, grow too old in the two to play or lose their desire to play or whatever. Um, or there's bigger names that are playing elsewhere. So I don't know. It's, that's, that's one part of this live puzzle that I have, still haven't really figured out. And I'm well, not sure they a lot have of either. It, <laughs> no, and a lot of it is going to come down to where we get, where we land on this official world golf ranking. All we know is that Liv has applied, uh, and that's because that was leaked. The official world golf rankings uh, committee does not publicly address these things, who, who applies, how they apply, yada, yada, yada. All we know is because it leaked is they did reach out, and they did it through the Asian tour where Greg Norman has seemed to have built some bridges to even be able to apply for these types of things. That is a huge decision we're all waiting on. Um, where are we on terms of DP World Tour? I said this, DP World Tour, just to recap for anyone listening this morning that is not aware, the DP World Tour banned, uh, banned the players that went to live from the events on the DP World Tour schedule that are co-sanctioned by the PGA Tour. 
believe there is three of them. The first one up is the Scottish Open, a big one in a couple of weeks. They did not ban them from non-co-sanctioned PGA Tour events on DP World Tour, and they fined them 100,000 euro each. I don't know. Adam, I want both of your opinions on this. Adam, I thought that this was almost the bare minimum that the DP World Tour can do. I, Other than the 100,000 euro, I don't really feel like the DP Tour did anything. I think Jay Monahan said, these guys aren't playing in an event we co-sanction. Full stop, period, end of story. And without the 100,000 euro fine, DP World Tour hasn't really made a statement yet other than these players did go against uh, a ruling. They are in violation, and there would be more penalties to come if they continued to play. So they left that kind of door open. But other than that, this was the softest approach I think they could have taken. Yeah, it's almost like they're still kind of sitting on the fence, if that makes sense, because the 100,000 euro to these players who are especially going to live and making all this dough, that's that's not really much, right? So uh, I, I'm curious where this does progress and go going forward i know like you mentioned for the co-sanctioned events we won't be seeing live players at the at the genesis scottish uh, open which is going to be a great event at a great golf course the week before the open championship so you wonder if where the dp world tour goes from here are, are they going to you know drop the hammer like the pga tour has you would think but who knows i i mean it, that's what we were waiting for and then it didn't happen so bob is this the softest approach they could have taken yeah listen i think the uh, i think the dp2 world tour is situating is, is trying to find its best response to this and and let's not lose sight of the fact that the dp world tour you've got to think is not financially as strong as the pga tour and that's why i think the pga tour came to that partnership a couple of years ago which got these co-sanctioned events and you know it its biggest revenue generator is the Ryder cup so it's in a little bit of a danger situation here if it shuts everything off. Um, and I don't know, either. It's, you know, financially, it's going to either have to accept something from the PGA Tour, maybe a, possibly a takeover if the PGA Tour can do that, or being bought out by, by the Live Tour, which is a rumor we've heard circulated. So it's, I think it's weighing its options here before it makes what's going to have to be a very, very difficult decision on, on where it stands. Now, have you guys heard the rumors of the potential two things floating around on social media by reputable sources and other reputable sources uh, suggesting that the rumors are not true. Uh, some people suggesting that the live money, that guaranteed money, is a draw against future earnings, that Charles Schwartzel did not get a check for $4.5 million after he won, that that $4.5 million is deducted from the guaranteed upfront that he's already received. So there, there's that narrative going online. Bob, the other narrative going online, and this is a reputation that they've had in the sports world over the last five to six years or so, they're a little slow to cut that check. It takes a while for that money to clear. Have you heard anything about this? And uh, did you read the contracting opinions online? I mean, I've seen all sorts of stories uh, about the the money situation, whether it's a, uh, a draw or whether you have to you know let's say if you if you got three million dollars to go move over there that you don't get anything 
until you win three million and one dollars you get that you finally start getting that other side of it so but i have no way of confirming that or whether it's known or tr not i think the um you know, there's lots of stories about the money and how far and how long and how slow or fast it's taking. But again, you know, there's nothing to really back that up perfectly. I mean, I think let's put it this way. I think the uh, I think the sovereign wealth fund is good for it. I think the money they do have the money. It's not like they're a little short this week where they have to, uh, you know, look under the pillow or something and see if there's the tooth fairies left them a few extra dollars. So I think they will get paid. But uh, that first part of it is a little bit intriguing because then it becomes almost like an exhibition like the old skins games that we used to have uh and, and i don't know i'm really sort of at a loss to sort of figure out why that would be but i think these guys are getting paid healthily anyway regardless of whether they get the prize money but i think if they didn't read their contract and it was in there they're going to be a little surprised when payday comes around and we have no idea on you know what kind of application transparency etc because to your point bob if that leans again more towards another exhibition type of uh, event it's one more strike against them going to the official world golf ranking committee asking for world golf ranking points they're already playing 54 holes it's already a shotgun it's already invitation only there's already no cut involved and now if you're going draw one more strike. Okay, we got to go. We're running late. Let's go to break. On the other side, Xander Shoffley, the latest winner on the PJ Tour at the Travelers Championship. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back, Golf Talk Canada. Zakino Week, Scully. Xander Shoffley, his second win of the season. First one, of course, the team event alongside his good buddy Patrick Cantley at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. And Cantley, who played in the final round with Xander Shoffley, completely throws up all over himself. 76, the worst round of the day, one of the worst things I've seen. We're going to get to that a little later as well in Winner's Weird or What. Shoffley goes wire to wire, 63, 63, 67, 68. If it wasn't for Patrick Cantley's shocking six, uh, 76, we might be talking about Shoffley's kind of limping around 68 because, boys, I mean, everybody else on this, on this leaderboard, JD po JT Poston, 64, Sahithigala, 67. That's with a double bogey on the final hole. Uh, Michael Thorbjörnsson, the amateur, 66. Chesson Hadley, 64. Everybody was gunning for Shoffley. He barely survives. Adam, did he win it, or was he just kind of the last guy standing? He did everything he had to do to get the win in the end, and obviously it was not handed to him, but almost handed to him after what, what Tagala had to go through on 18. He got a, obviously got a very bad break you know, hitting it into the lip of the bunker, but he was just trying to do a little too much out of that lie. And he even spoke about it after he was very blunt and honest with the media. He said, I bladed it. And him and his caddy were trying to figure out a way to chunk it and just get it out of the bunker and make four. But I mean, good on Shoffley for birdieing 
18 for playing three perfect shots into 18 that there were some uh some issues down the stretch the the three putt on the short par four from you know 60 feet or so not the, not the greatest birdie try from inside 10 feet but a great birdie attempt on 17 just slid by from 30 feet and then to birdie 18 the way he did good for xander shoffley now six career pga tour wins six consecutive starts with finishes inside the top 20. so after a bit of a strange start to the year for xander shoffley and a guy who's had issues closing in the past you know even think back to the olympics last summer where he almost blew that lead on that second nine on the, in the final round to hideki matsuyama but i mean for one of the stars of the game xander shoffley it's still another good win for the pga tour Bob, hard to not feel bad for uh, Sahith Thigala. He is such a great young man. Uh, you know, anytime you've been anywhere around this guy, he's so full of positive energy. He's just so happy uh, to be out there with a career on the PGA Tour. Came so close at the Waste Management earlier this year. I mean, this is his rookie campaign, and he could easily have two victories already, and he's still got none. It, it, it's tough not to cheer for this guy. Definitely, and as you said, he had that heartbreaker in, uh, at the Waste Management, and his family all came in just as they had for this one as well, thinking that maybe this was going to be the time. But uh, I, I think that, as Adam suggested, you know, in his press conference, he's very open. He's, uh, he's not, I don't think he was beating himself up too much. He just kind of understood that it was a, you know, a missed opportunity, a bad shot, um, and, and he moves on from there. I, I'm, I'm so... Uh, high on this guy's talent, his abilities, his uh, um, just the way he carries himself and, and how he hits the ball. It's pretty good. So I, I think he'll get that win sooner or later, but hopefully it comes sooner. You, you just don't like to see a guy who's this sort of loved on the tour and by the fans uh, to have these two heartbreakers like that. Yeah, and that if you take a look at 17, that bullet peel cut he hit with that driving iron, he hit it absolutely perfect, man up, hit a hard tee shot. He gets up there, it's sitting in a divot. He goes down, gets it over water, controls it, gets it in there, makes birdie. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about this guy's uh, stomach when it comes to playing professional golf. Before we go to break, let's hear from Xander Shoffley with his win at the Travelers Championship. Yeah, it feels really good. It's, it's just, um, you know, everyone talks about how, how hard it is. And, you know, I only had the Olympics to sort of fall back on having a lead and, and kind of closing it. I've never done it on the PGA Tour. So it was nice to sort of, I mean, to do it in Japan and then sort of have that experience uh, really tapped into that today. Before we go to break, guys, quickly around the horn, I'm putting Rory McIlroy in the I'm mentally exhausted and I need a break category, and it means nothing else to me other than that, what we saw from Rory on the weekend. Bob, chalking it up to that, or do you think, uh, or is it more of a concern for you what you saw from Rory? No, I think he's had a big run here. I think he's fatigued. Um, you know, Canadian Open and uh, uh, U.S. Open and then this back-to-back-to-back to back to back and being the front and center guy now as well in addition to those, those added duties. And I think you just get kind of worn out, and I think he just ran out of gas at the end here. I'm not really worried about him. I think he'll take some time now and then gear up for uh, for the Open Championship. He's he's really... When you add up, I know, I know there's only one win in those, those close calls, but when you add it all up, he's really playing some great golf right now, and I, uh, I, think, there'll be, uh, I think there's going to be more to come as the season uh, continues. Adam, Bob and I, on exactly the same page, we're looking at this exactly the same way. You agree, or are you more concerned? 
No, I totally agree. And you think to the second round, his 12th hole, he makes a quad, and that's where everything just sort of just went out of him. You could really tell. He made a double bogey a couple holes later on the 15th hole, and the wind sort of went right out of his sails. You know, he still finished tied for 19th. He got up to a great start. And you could tell after his first round, he was battling. It looked like some sort of cold. He was a little hoarse, and uh, in, in, in his sinuses uh, were, all, were all definitely bothering him. So, McElroy, time for a well-deserved break, but I'm looking forward to seeing him come to the Open Championship where he will be one of the favorites, that's for sure. All right, on the other side, we're going to hear from Jay Monahan. Huge changes coming to the PGA Tour schedule. Um, frankly, thank God. I love this. I, I was never a fan of the wraparound schedule. We're going to blow it up at the, uh, I guess, was it the end of this year, starting 23-24? We'll get into it. We'll take a look at this, break it down for you, what it means on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Talk Canada, Zucchino, Scully, Weeks, and we're breaking it all down for you. Huge announcement coming from the PGA Tour regarding changes to the PGA Tour schedule. Now, many of you are going to... Think of this as a knee-jerk reaction when you heard this. I saw a lot of this commotion and conversation online. Uh, as a knee-jerk reaction to the PGA Tour pushing back at the Live Golf Series. Now, of course, a certain degree of that is true. Uh, this is in response to the Live Golf Series. A percentage of this is this. But, Bob, we were told over a year ago that some of these changes were already coming, that they were looking at changes, looking at getting away with the wraparound. So I'm not suggesting that Liv didn't influence this, certainly maybe uh, expedited the process a bit, but we kind of knew this was coming. Uh, yeah, agreed. I think, I think this was no shocker when they sort of rolled this out and gave us a time frame. I think, as you said, I'm not sure it would have moved this quickly. I'm not sure the purses would, would have been quite this big if uh, there hadn't been live. But obviously, look, the PGA Tour has to respond. It has to do something and show um, show that it's it's in the in the game and it's really trying to commit to uh, making these guys a little wealthier. And it's not even just the you know it's not just the uh, the big purses here. But I think the whole restructuring of the calendar is going to be interesting. Um, you know, if there's a downside to it, I guess you look, if you're the uh, RBC Canadian Open now, you've got the Memorial, which is coming the week before you, is going to be one of these uh, bigger, richer tournaments. And that kind of might make some people's choices a little different about which one they're going to play. So uh, I'm glad that the PJ Tour has done it. I don't think they could do much more than this in terms of offering more money than this. But obviously it's a it's a reaction and uh, and it's caught the attention of the PGA Tour players who are uh, committed to this tour. All right, here is the, here are the changes before we hear from Jay Monahan. Uh, Century Tournament of Champions, of course, which is a winners-only field with no cut, uh, it goes up $8.2 to $15 million for a very small field. 
Genesis Invitational up from 12 million to 20 million. That's of course Tiger's event at Riviera. The Arnold Palmer in, uh, presented by uh, Mastercard. It goes from 12 to 20, just like the Genesis. The Players Championship, which was already 20 million, which is just an obscene number, is up to 25 million now. The Dell match play, the WGC match play, it also moves to 20 million to align with the Genesis and the Arnold Palmer. The Memorial Jacks event gets in line as well as a 20 million event, to Bob's point. The FedEx St. Jude Championship, which kicks off the playoffs, is going to move from 15 to 20, as will the BMW Championship, the second playoff event. We've heard rumors also of uh, some uh, bonus events for some of the big names in the game that might come in the fall. And starting 2024, Adam, we will go back to an actual season, which I love, that starts at Kapalua in January, ends at the end of August, potentially first week of September at the Tour Championship when we hand out a FedEx Cup, and then the season is over. The top 70 will go to the playoffs, then it will go uh, cut down from there until you're, uh, I think it goes 70, 50, 30, the new format now for the playoffs. So the playoffs is smaller, it's more elite, and then the remainder of the fall, those events will not go away. They will just stay in place for the players trying to keep their cards and fight for that 125 status. Those players from 71 to 125, their livelihood for the following year. Adam, I like it. I don't see any negatives. Where are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm the same way. It's it's nice to, I mean, that to not have the wraparound schedule anymore once this does get underway. And it's almost like some of these players are, are have to play catch up if they don't play any events in the fall series because there's golf every weekend. So if you're, you know, a notable star and only play one or two times in the fall and you get to you get to Torrey Pines or you get to, you know, in the Hawaii swing and you're 170th in the FedEx Cup. I mean, sure, you're probably going to get inside and qualify, but there, there could be a couple of really stressful weeks if you get off to a rough start and, you know, have to take a couple of weeks to shake off the rust. So I think this is a, a big thing for the PGA Tour to do this. I know Jay Monahan in that 40 minute press conference last week was asked about the possibility of players eventually just having some sort of baseline salary like mm -hmm. in some other sports and, and Jay Monahan mm -hmm. wasn't going to confirm that anytime soon. You wonder if that is something that could be coming in the next couple of years where, you know, because if players show up at an event and there's no appearance fee and they miss the cut, they go home with zero and, and there's no base salary. There's nothing for travel. There's nothing for hotels, food, et cetera. So you wonder if that eventually would be uh, the next step for the PGA tour. We we will see. It's amazing because it kind of you know the the birth of being a professional golfer of what that means in America. It kind of kind of starts right there. Is that no? You you eat what you kill, and I mean to reinvent that now. Who knows? But Jay Monahan did say. Everything is on the table as they feel that they are under attack. Okay, Jay Monahan spoke to the media last week. Let's hear from Commissioner Jay Monahan. Let me be clear. I am not naive. If this is an arms race, and if the only weapons here are dollar bills, the PGA Tour can't compete. The PGA Tour, an American institution, can't compete with a foreign monarchy that is spending billions of dollars 
in an attempt to buy the game of golf. We welcome good, healthy competition. The Live Saudi Golf League is not that. It's an irrational threat, one not concerned with the return on investment or true growth of the game. Currently, no one organization owns or dominates the game of golf. Instead, the various entities, be it Augusta National or the USGA or the LPGA or the PGA Tour or the PGA of America, work together to meet our own respective priorities, but with the best interests of the game overall at heart. But when someone attempts to buy the sport, dismantle, dismantle the institutions that are intrinsically invested in its growth, and focus only on a personal priority, that partnership evaporates. And instead, we end up with one person, one entity, using endless amounts of money to direct employees, not members or partners, toward their personal goal, which may or, not, may or may not change tomorrow or the next day. I doubt that's the vision any of us have for the game. Now I know legacy and purpose sound like talking points that don't mean much. But when I talk of those concepts, it isn't about some sort of intangible moral high ground. It is our track record as an organization and as a sport. Bob, um, what do you take most from that? I, I mean, the, I guess the little snippet that comes out and leaps out at me the most is, you know, a foreign entity trying to purchase the game of golf for you know, their own intent or their intentions that are, that, that are one thing right now and may change in the future. That, that's what leaps out at me. What leaps out for you when you hear those comments from Commissioner Monaghan? Yeah, I say the same thing. It's, it's the, uh, it's the, the, you know, the fact that the, that they're never going to win a, a war of, of money. And I think the PGA tour has, infl you know, built their purses up to, with this latest announcement to a significant amount, but they're never going to be able to, to, to pay the guys what they're paying them. But I think he's trying to present the fact that there's more to it than the money. Yes, we're going to reward you as best we can, but there's a lot more going on here than, than and, and everyone has to kind of consider and compare the two on other means than just who's getting how much money. Could you gentlemen imagine in this country right now if this investment fund hired Bobby Orr, I don't mean to besmirch Bobby Orr's name. I, I'm just using a, a name from the past who obviously a hockey legend, beloved hockey legend. And they started a competing hockey league. And Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, uh, I mean, listen, and all the top echelons from the NHL left, and tomorrow the Leafs looked like the Marlies. Adam, could you imagine what the attitudes of Canadians would be feeling if they felt that their institution of the NHL and Hockey Night in Canada or whatever it is you have was under attack? Could you imagine the Canadian attitudes if, if the shoe was on the other foot when it came to another sport like hockey? 
I think they would feel like the rug was being swept right out of them and that their lives would totally change as sports fans, as entertainment, and where you'd go from here. I, I wasn't around when the WHA was a thing in the late 70s and the early 80s, and obviously the Edmonton Oilers went to the NHL from, from there. So that would certainly be something. And, and you know, comparing that to what the PGA Tour and Live is going through now, obviously a different set of circumstances and, and where the money has come from and the players that have already gone to live. And it's, it's, it's such a moving target still that, I mean, if, if something like that were ever to happen in the NHL, I, I don't know how people would react, but it's a fascinating time in, in sport, in the game of golf right now that there's this competing series with money coming from a sketchy place, call it that, uh, it's for players chasing the dough. So uh, I'm, I'm more intrigued about where we go from here, to be honest with you. Bob, do you have any idea on a timeline of when we might hear or hear a decision from something formal from the official World Golf uh, Rankings Board? Or is this the kind of thing where they don't even need to answer to anybody to really address this? Uh, you know, could this just be something they sit on and, you know, a year from now we still don't know anything and a year from now they're still not getting points on the Live Series? Uh, I think there's a lot of logistics to work out. There's an eight-person council that actually decides whether or not you know we'll make the ruling, and one of the people, one of those eight people, is actually Jay Monahan. <laughs> Another person is Keith Pelly. So I think there's a little bit of um, I don't know what you want to call, but logistics and, and things to work out in terms of uh, the deep. The live people have sort of said that that Monahan should recuse himself from the vote. It's likely, from what I've heard, not to come until the end of the year. But I imagine if they want to do it sooner, they probably could get everybody together. It's not the not that hard to gather them all up. But I'm not sure of the timing of this. I haven't heard anything definite. But uh, but it will be an interesting decision, and it will be essentially um, and quite possibly a make or break for a lot of players and a lot of uh, the major championships as well to get players into those fields, not the ones who've already qualified, like Phil and. Schwartzel and DJ who have green jackets, but but some of the other guys, a uh, guy like Matt Wolf, you know, how's he going to get world ranking points if he can't play in them? So it's going to be interesting to see what that decision does, and, and it will have huge consequences one way or the other. Yes, the DP World Tour, Keith Pelly has a seat. Jay Monahan has a seat. USGA, Michael Wan has a seat. Uh, PGA of America has a seat. Augusta National has a seat. The PGA Federation, Global Federation of PGAs, has a seat. Bob, am I forgetting anyone who was seated at that table? Oh, Royal and Ancient, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's the only other one I was going to say. And uh, so it's going to be, as I say, it'll be an interesting uh, decision to be made. And, and there's going to be some, it's going to be a tough decision for some people as well. So uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure uh, I'd want to be at that table making that decision. But I, I guess you have to kind of just take the, the rules and the regulations intact as they have been applied to other tours and uh, and go from there. That's all they can do. Take it for what it is. See if the, it applies and, and and make the decision based on the criteria you've been making it on for, for the last few decades. Okay, on the other side, we'll get you caught up on all things coming GTC, including 20 Weeks Tailmade. Plus, Skulls has a Twitter question for you. We have the poll out right now on at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter. And we will get to that conversation in hour two. And we will uh, bring you up to speed if you want to jump in on that conversation on social media and give us your vote. We'll do it all coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Speaking of uh, Myrtle Beach, we're going to connect with them next week because they are hosting the World Amateur Golf Championships. And there is a Canadian component, uh, hundreds of Canadians apparently, visiting Myrtle Beach for this World Amateur. So we'll touch base with them next week. Also, Sasha McKenzie, who is the gentleman behind the stack system. Uh, and that's the system I've been on now for six weeks or so. And that's who, if you're watching the U.S. Open, Matt Fitzpatrick thanked in his presser, uh, directly responsible for moving from a hundredth in driving distance at the previous year's U.S. Open roughly to 13th and adding, you know, 10 to 15 yards a carry from Matt Fitzpatrick. So uh, we're going to take a deep dive on this stack system and uh, can't wait to connect with him. So that'll be on next week's show as well. 20 Weeks of TaylorMade is continuing. Uh, you need to follow us at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram, at Golf Talk Canada on Twitter and Instagram, as well as TaylorMade Golf Canada, Twitter and Instagram. Follow both of us, tag a friend each week, and you are in the draw for over 30000 in prizing, including a $10,000 grand prize, which is a full set of TaylorMade golf clubs, custom fit, through the bag, top to bottom, get treated like Rory McIlroy for the day, plus you and a friend. We'll go to Casa de Campo to the Dominican Republic on a golf uh, trip of your life. It is absolutely an epic, epic experience. Skulls, what are we giving away this week? Yeah, so this week we are giving away a Spider GT putter. So that will be our prize uh, a little later. We will be giving that away. And it was Spider Week last week for TaylorMade on the PGA Tour. So we're giving away a Spider GT putter. But Mark, like you mentioned, just follow Golf Talk Canada, Twitter, Instagram. You'll be in the draw to win and over $30,000 in giveaways this year, all on 20 Weeks of TaylorMade. All right, uh, Skulls, we're going to talk in hour two, yourself, Bob, and I. We're going to talk a little bit about you know who we think the, the, the next Canadian to win in the world of professional golf is. I mean, that's a pretty big uh, scope could happen on PGA Tour Canada. Uh, unfortunate, by the way, guys, what happened to PGA Tour Canada this week. But uh, nice. Give a shout out to our friend Scott Pritchard, who's the CEO, uh, sorry, executive director of PGA Tour Canada. Um, they had to cancel the event out at Elk Ridge in Saskatchewan due to heavy rains. Got completely flooded out. They got about half the first round in. They're going to take the purse and divide it equally amongst every player in the field. So everybody's leaving there with a check. To your point, Adam, to take care of the travel, take care of the costs that were consumed to get up to Saskatchewan to be there for events. So well done, Scotty. A shame that they couldn't get that event in as PGA Tour Canada's season continues. But Adam, you asked our Twitter audience at Golf Talk Canada who the next Canadian is that will win. What were the choices? We're going to get into the, the, some of the results and to get into the conversation, 
in hour two, but, but what are the result, uh, what are the options if someone uh, listening today wants to jump in? Yeah, so as of right now, yeah, check us out, Golf Talk Canada on Twitter for our Twitter poll. Next Canadian to win, Brooke Henderson, Adam Hadwin, Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes. There wasn't a fifth option to go other. I, I was really hoping to have that because there are so many Canadians making noise right now across all tours. You know, four Canadians made the cut last week at the Travelers Championship, which is remarkable in itself. So, yeah, so those four options, and we'll discuss uh, what the results are so far and who we think are, is going to be the next Canadian to win in hour two. Now, uh, I want to talk to Bob about this stealth distance that he, <laughs> he was bragging about off the top because we're talking about distance. So, uh, you know what I did, guys? I put a P790 four iron in my bag because I noticed that there was a gap, a big gap, between my four iron and my five wood. I don't carry a hybrid. And, and I thought to myself, ah, it'd be nice if I could just squeeze a few more yards out of my four iron. I was hoping to squeeze five more yards out of my four iron. Bob, I squeezed 15 yards of carry by going to a P794 iron. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a hand cannon. That's that's crazy that it's you're getting that with it. I mean, I must I have the stealth irons and I'm ha very happy with them getting a lot more height than I've had uh, in in recent years. But uh, the distance on this driver is nuts, and I'm I'm really getting uh, on three of the four par fives at my course. Yes, uh, two days ago I had a chance to hit the green in two. I I didn't do it, but that was only because I didn't I didn't line up very well. But um, but it's pretty amazing to see what what they can do with uh, with this gear, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to play. I'll tell you that. I just find it amazing, Bob, that, you know, the more you and I talk about this stuff, this is why Scully and, and Nick have been dodging us all year. They have been dodging <laughs> us. They don't want any piece of Weeksino. They know it, and, and they're avoiding us, and I can just feel it coming. Scully, that's right. Like, we're, you and Nick, super, super quiet this year. Yeah, it's been quiet so far. We've, you know, had a new strategy in place trying to, you know, wait it out, I guess, if you will. We, we all say we're, quote, unquote, too busy to play together. But, you know, <laughs> maybe, you know, sometime in the fall we'll figure something out. But, no, it's, it's, it's so great now playing in the GTA. I, I love it. Because it's so hot. The greens I love are firm. It too. The ball yeah. flies, you know, half a club to maybe a club longer, depending on the wind conditions. This is the best time of year to play golf. We've had some great weather here in, in the GTA. And, and Bob, I'm loving that you're, you're hitting bombs with, with the stealth driver. I'm absolutely, <laughs> I'm absolutely loving my, my stealth driver too. And I love how you can flight it. You can hit it high, you can hit it low. And, and we're seeing some, some good distance. I, you know, incorporating some swing changes, like I mentioned on our show last week. Need some more time to really grind it out. I was sort of stuck in the middle of trying to bow my left wrist, bringing it back, and saw some interesting spots at Bayview Golf and Country Club. <laughs> the weekend. But you know what? I, I got to say hi to other members, got to socialize a little bit when I was you know, 40 yards right of almost every fairway, but that's fine. But that's fine. That's what it's all about. All right. On the other side, boys, we're going to kick off hour two with the KPMG Women's PGA. Uh, Lexi having a hard time getting it in the house. Uh, two players put on the clock in the final group with a couple holes to go. A 76 on Sunday by Brooke Henderson. Controversy with the changes at Congressional. If you saw it online, you either loved it or you hated it. You had people going, wow, this looks great. What an improvement. And you had some other people saying, 
What have they done to Congo? We'll get into it on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, Zacchino, Scully, Weeks, LPGA Major in the books, and I don't even know how to digest this, gents. KPM, KPMG Women's PGA Championship. And the reason I don't know how to digest it is because, well, obviously I didn't get to see a lot of this because I was working the Travelers Championship. But if you did not see any of this, if and you're like me and you're coming in here and I go, oh, you know, who's winning? Inji Chun, oh, she closes with 75. Okay, she didn't have the lead. Someone explain this to me. She she had the lead on Sunday by a couple. She shoots 75 and gets this in the house and wins. Bob, how do you shoot 75? Actually, you go 75, 75. That was her weekend. She ends up winning by one over Minji Lee and Lexi Thompson. Bob, I know all the chitter-chatter online is by Lexi's missed short putts. Uh, coming home and not getting into the, not being able to get it in the house. The steal a line from David Faraday. Apparently, she was putting with a live snake on the last nine holes. I didn't see it. It's hard to watch a player go through that. Was it the yips, Bob? How does Inji Chun walk out of this championship with the victory? Well, uh, let's put the let's put her seventy fives into perspective. First of all, she shot sixty four in the first round. And uh, led by, I think, five <laughs> was the largest lead at a major in the 100 years. I think when she walked off the course, she was leading by seven. And if you look at the scores, I think of the top 25 golfers on the uh, golf course, I think only there were only three rounds. Actually, you can go deeper than that. You can go almost the entire field uh, Saturday and Sunday. There were only three players who broke 60 or broke 70, I should say. So this course is, is obviously very tough. So I think for Inji Chun, you know, she staked herself to a big lead. She held on. 75 was probably somewhere around even par based on the field scores. And she got a helping hand from Lexi Thompson, and uh, she's got a trophy. And Lexi is left once again kind of scratching her head. Bob, what did you think about the new congressional? You know, I didn't, I didn't see a ton of it, but what I did see, I, I kind of liked, actually. Um, I know you've probably been a little closer to it than any of us, so maybe your opinion is the one that we really should count on. It's, uh, you know, I like the old congressional there. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the old one, but, but obviously the, uh, the members decided to spruce it up a little bit, and I thought there was a really interesting collection of holes, especially down the stretch. Yeah, I, I do like it. I was curious because I know, you, you know you've covered events at the old golf course. I, I do like it. 
I, I like the variety. It played more like it's supposed to when they got to the weekend. It did not play the way it was supposed to on the Thursday and the Friday. I say that, Adam, because it got they got torrential rain. So when they took down the trees, the thousands of trees that they took down at Congressional, A, it looks more like Oakmont. But when they did the redesign, uh, they, they shaved down a lot of the rough around the greens, created these uh, bailout areas, these collection areas where, you know, if you miss a green by like a yard, you could have 90 feet. Instead of the old congressional, you miss, you miss a green by a yard, you're in thick rough a yard off the green. Now you're 30 yards off the green. But to get the true experience of how they redesign this and they build this, it needs to be firm and fast. It needs to be dry. It, it, the, a little bit of brown, and this place is magnificent. Uh, very similar to uh, uh, an American Lynx golf course, something you would see at Shinnecock, for example. Um, they did not get that on the Thursday or Friday. They got a, a just a soaked congressional, similar to the golf course that Rory won on uh, in the old in the old days. And you saw scores like 64, but it changed as the weekend went on. I think you saw the the brilliance of the redesign by the time we got to Sunday. Yeah, so first of all, that Thursday 64 by Angie Chun was remarkable. That was like the way she, that, that was like she was playing a different golf course. That was a lot of fun to see. And a lot of the top players in the world, including Brooke Henderson, mentioned on Thursday that, you know, she'd never played a golf course that was playing that long because it was so soft. You know, they were hitting five woods hybrids as their third shots into par fives. NB Park couldn't reach a couple of par fours with three wood for her second shot. It was playing that long and that the fairways were playing that soft. So the ball wasn't really rolling out. But like you mentioned, once the weekend came up, came around, you know, that you were seeing the rollouts, the 20, 30, 40, 50 yard rollouts down the fairway. And it was playing firm and fast. And those runoff areas around the greens, the chipping areas, those really tight lies. Obviously, Lexi Thompson had some short game uh, tragedies. You could really call them that. On, on Sunday during the final round, you think to that, the par 5 16th, she's 15 yards off the green and, and has to make a three-footer for six with the lead in a major championship, sort of knifing or hitting a, a wedge off the forehead, basically, over across the other side of the green and having some issues short. So I, I like the changes. I, I really did, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing the next time Congressional Showcase because it'll be, it'll be a treat to see for sure. Well, it's got an upcoming PGA Championship. And it's got an upcoming Ryder Cup. So we will see it in the near future uh, on a very large stage again. This is its first appearance on a very large stage since the, the redesign. Uh, before we go to break, gents, we got to talk Brooke. Wh what do we make from Brooke's week? Adam, we'll stay with you. What, what, do, you, what do you take from this? The, you know, obviously I go, wow, 76 when she was in the hunt on Sunday and my kind of jaw drops. But when I look at the scoring average on Sunday, I mean, there were a bunch of 76s, a bunch of 75s. It's not too far offline where this was playing. Uh, is this a step forward, a step backwards, or, or are you holding tight on your Brook expectations coming into the week versus exiting the week? Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm still holding tight on, you know, the expectations. Still a T-16 finish at a major championship. She's played some great golf. You mentioned how hard it was, and Bob was talking about this earlier. One player in the field broke 70 in the final round. Nasahata Oka shot a 69. Of the 72 players, she was the only player to, to break 70. So that's how difficult it was playing. Brooke for the week. Only 68% in greens and regulation, so didn't quite have her A game from T to green for sure. Sand saves, 
that's the area that has really bothered her in the last two, three, four years, 33%. I mean, she only hit into six, into six bunkers, but only got up and down twice. So for Brooke Henderson, that's the, the area where she has made improvements, but those improvements will continue if, you know, to get another win, get another two wins uh, for Brooke getting uh, that strokes gained around the green stat, more specifically the bunkers is where she needs to improve the most. Bob, uh, change your outlook on the summer for Brooke. Obviously, we were all very high after the victory. Um, again, I, this course was playing like a beast on Sunday, so I'm not putting too much weight, weight on it. I'm kind of I'm kind of still high on Brooke and thought, hey, she had a chance to win heading to the weekend. It didn't happen. Maybe she didn't have the weekend she wanted, but so did a bunch of other world-class players. I'm, I'm still very high on, on Brooke Henderson. I think uh, we tend to... Um, expect her to be first, second, or third almost every time she goes out. Tied for 16th is a pretty good performance in a tournament that was playing this difficult. Adam pointed out the sand saves. You know, her, her greens and reg weren't necessarily great on the in the last round. Putting, again, though, I look at her putting stats is always one of the keys, and she averaged 30 putts per round, which is about the highest I'd want her to be. So it wasn't wasn't bad by any means. She had a couple of good rounds, 27 and 29 in the first two rounds. So I think that uh, I think she's still moving in the right direction with that putter, which is great. But as Adam points out, that sand play is uh, is is glaring, and it's been glaring for a long time. Uh, I'm actually flying up to Ottawa later this afternoon, and we're going to have a little sit down with Brooke tomorrow. She's in town there for the media day for the CP Women's Open. So we'll uh, we'll get the the full details on what she thinks about her performance so far and and how her game is uh, is going. And I, and I will tell you, gentlemen, this that if there is a golf course that the LPGA Tour is going to visit this year uh, that is going to expose uh, a sand weakness of any kind, if, if you have one in your game, it is going to be congressional. I mean, the bunkers, as part of the renovation process, the bunkers are extremely deep, eyelash bunkers, nothing but problems. Golf balls can, can stay in sandy areas, very similar guys to what we saw at the country club at Brookline a few uh, a few weeks back. The, these are penalty areas. These are not. Hey, let's aim for them like we do week in and week out on the on the PGA Tour and most professional tours for that matter. Okay. Well, maybe this Brooke Henderson conversation is going to continue, because on the other side we are going to take a close look at our Twitter poll. We asked you who is the next Canadian to win on a professional tour. Brooke Henderson was one of your options. Obviously, she's the most recent to win. So is the most recent the likely to continue winning? Or do you like somebody else? Who does Bob and Adam like? We'll talk about it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Before we get into our Twitter poll question, Bob, my Twitter is lighting up. I went there to see what our poll results were looking like. Daniel Berger, WD. John Deere Classic. Every time someone WDs now, do we have to go through the speculation game? Are they are they on their way to live? 
who knows? You know, that's that's what happens, I guess. When I like the guys who uh, WD and then put out a statement and say, no, no, I I really am. I do have a sore back, or I do I am hurt, or whatever. But it's uh, yeah, that's the first thing that enters your mind, isn't it? But uh, it's it's actually unusual because he was the betting favorite going into this week, and so now uh, this is this is far from a deep field this week by any means. And you can look at you always judge that by looking at the guys who were getting in when somebody drops out, and you're seeing names like Matt Every and Charlie Belgian and players like that who haven't played regularly for a little while now. But, um, yeah, we'll, see. we'll have to wait and see what happens with Berger. We will have to wait and see. All right, Skulls, uh, let's look at this uh, Twitter poll. What are we currently at? What's, a, what's the Golf Talk Canada Twitter universe saying about the next Canadian to get it done on a professional tour? Yeah, so the big majority of people saying Brooke Henderson will be the next Canadian winner on the professional, any of the professional circuits, 64.6% of our audience on Twitter saying Brooke Henderson, Corey Connors at number two at 19%, followed by Adam Hadwin, who is one of the new betting favorites this week at the John Deere Classic after Daniel Berger WD, 11.4% for Hadwin and Mackenzie Hughes, one of the four Canadians who made the cut last week at the Travelers Championship at 5.1%. I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I wish there was another category for other because there are so many other Canadians doing great things in professional golf right now. But of those four, Brooke Henderson, the overwhelming favorite to get the next dub. Okay, where are you on this, Adam? Do you agree with our Twitter universe? Uh, are you on Brooke or are you going elsewhere? I will say, you know me, I'm, I'm one to, you know, have some value always involved. And if, if we were making this like a TSN edge sort of thing in terms of our audience, Brooke Henderson would be the favorite. I'll take the value and go Adam Hadwin. And it could come as soon as this week, given how he just played at the U.S. Open, given the unique field we have this week at the John Deere Classic, many players taking the week off. He's one of the favorites this week. And the, given how his ball striking has improve significantly from last year those swing changes have really started to pay off i think hadwin's going to learn from the experience of playing with world number one scotty shuffler sunday u.s open final round and harness that and take it forward whether it's this start or one of his next starts coming up i really like adam hadwin the way he's playing the way he's swinging so i'll take adam hadwin out of those four uh, I guess, Bob, the, the good news is, is that any one of them can win at any single time. So the, the question is, is very realistic to Scully's point. You know, obviously, uh, Brooke is going to get the heavy. She just got it done and, and she wins a ton of tournaments. And, and I mean, she is the logical favorite, but anyone could do it. And we should mention that Taylor Penrith, is finally back from injury as well this week. He's going to peg it up at the John Deere Classic. Uh, and he's feeling great. It's the first time in months he'll be able to play golf and be healthy to do so. So Taylor Penrith, his name and his hat back in the ring on the PGA Tour. Bob, if you had to go, if you had to pick one, who's going to win next? Oh, boy. It's so hard. Uh, and, and you could look down at the at PGA Tour Canada and probably pick out a handful of names on there. You know, Noah Steele and uh, Will Bateman and uh, players of that who had a good start to the season already. Will Bateman chipped in and won in Edmonton already. So he's he's the last Canadian, I guess, to win on a tour. Uh, but if we're talking about the top the top tiers, it's it's hard. You know, I think Brooke is kind of like the, the free square on the bingo card. Everyone's going to kind of probably gravitate to her just because of how good she is. 
But I'm I'm with Adam. I think uh, I think Adam Hadwin is probably playing the best golf right now of late. Uh, but as you say, you know, Corey Connors could win. Mac Hughes could pull pull things together. Mac Hughes was starting to hit his driver a lot better the last couple of weeks. That's the big key for him. If he puts the ball in the fairway, he's pretty good from the rest of the the, right, the rest of the way in on every hole. But uh, right now, I'd say Adam Hadwin would be would be my uh, my betting favorite. Yeah, I I, I think. I think we've lost Mark here for the time being. Sorry, we were having some home sounds. studio. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it sounds like we lost I, I, him there. It sounds like we just lost Mark there, and he was about to make a big point. I, he, I know he's trying. Somebody to tried to. Oh, uh, he's back. He's back. So, somebody tried to. Uh, didn't want my opinion, and they just kicked me out. It was just yeah. like I don't want to. I don't care who you think's going to win Zucchino. It was a cliffhanger. <laughs> well, you You're did. You, uh, I know, and, and I know you were about to. I know you were about to say Dave Barr. So why don't you continue on with that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, hold on a sec. And it's funny you bring that up, Bob, because could it not be Stephen Ames or Mike Weir just as easily? I mean, they've been playing great on the championship. What are we, three weeks removed from the two of them having a chance on Sunday? It was like three or four weeks ago. They both were playing with a chance down the stretch, an opportunity to get it done on the Champions Tour. I think a Stephen Alker ended up uh, winning the event, but... I'm with, the, I think I got to go with our Twitter poll audience. I'm not denying how great Adam Hadwin's playing. It's great to see Taylor Penrith healthy again. Um, you know, again, Weir, Ames, yada, yada, Connors, Hughes, any, any week. They, if they were to win, no one's going to be surprised. But I don't know. Brooks seems to be rounding in the form. Uh, she's got the victory. She's been trending in this direction. I expect her to win again soon. I think it's going to come any week now again. So I'm going to stick with Brooke Henderson, and, and I'm going to go with her. I'm going to agree with our Twitter universe and suggest that Brooke Henderson gets it done. I like it. Yeah, I, I think. There you go. I mean, that's it. You know, given given the the, the consistency she's had and. She she got off to such a great start earlier in the season without getting you know an act, a victory and then had that sort of what month six weeks period six week period when uh, there was there was uh, an illness and then she came back and she's played really well since but you know she's been one of the top players on the LPGA tour throughout the season every every time she tees it up she has a legitimate chance to win she's fourth in the race to CME Globe this season and it you know her, her putting stats have improved. You know, 23rd in putts per greens and regulation, 57th in putting average, which is better uh, improvement from last year. But like we mentioned in the last segment, it's all about, you know, strokes gained around the green and sand saves for Brooke. She's 68th right now on the LPGA Tour in, in bunker game. So if she can improve around the greens, it seems, uh, Bob, and I, I think you agree with this too, that the, the change with uh, the left-hand low has really helped Brooke and, and she keeps the flag stick in a lot of the time. Um, that's more a vision thing, but to have the, the left hand low has really helped Brooke in this recent little surge she's uh, currently had. What do you think about that? Yeah, she's putting much better, at least more consistently. She doesn't have these big, um, as we've always said, you know, she's not a bad putter. She's just a streaky putter. And, and she sort of has now sort of evened out things a little bit more. She doesn't have, uh, really low putting rounds, but she doesn't have the very high ones anymore. And every once in a while, if she gets like a 27 or a 28 or something like that on her card, then the rest of her game can carry her for sure. I think now she just needs to work a little bit on that on that short game 
especially out of the bunkers. But hey, listen, every player is going to have weak parts of their game. We know Corey Connors, for instance, is not great in putting and chipping, although he's worked diligently to make himself pretty decent level. But everybody has parts of their game that are strong and parts of their game that are, are weak. And, uh, and Brooks just seemed to be a little bit wider apart than a lot of other players. But it's not something that she doesn't know about, not something that she hasn't working on. Uh, we should acknowledge that uh, Mackenzie Hughes and Adam Svensson both had uh, decent weeks at the Travelers Championship, both uh, tie for 25th. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes opened with 70 and then ripped off three rounds in the 60s, 66, 68, 68. He finishes uh, eight under par, well off the pace of winning, but uh, nice bounce back from that opening 70 where uh, you know players were out there just ripping apart uh, TPC River Highlands. He only put up the 70, was very frustrated, but bounced back with uh, three great rounds. And Adam Svensson, uh, similar as well, opened with that 71, looked really uncomfortable out of the gates, looking like he might not make it to the weekend, comes back Friday with a 64 a 66 on uh, Saturday, not the Sunday he wanted, bookend 71s, but minus eight as well, finishing in a tie for 25th. And Michael Glickett, six under par, 70, 68, 68, 68. It's a T40 for Michael. Ben Silverman also making it to the weekend. So a lot of Canadian flags playing the weekend at TPC River Highlands. On the other side, I mean... We're going to need an hour for winners weird or what this week with the amount of ridiculousness in the world of golf. Live providing so much content, it seems almost daily. Uh, we'll get into it next. It'll be three dub. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. Welcome back, Golf Talk Canada. It is that time. The good, the bad, the ugly, three-dub, winner's weird and what. And this week, gents, I have the tea. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Well, gents, this week, my winner is Pearson Cootie. And why Pearson Cootie? Well, Pearson Cootie is the grandson of Charles Cootie, who won the 1971 Masters. And Pearson Cootie, about 30 days ago, won the PGA Tour University Velocity Global Golf Ranking as the number one player coming off the NCAA points list that is handed out by PGA Tour University and got his status on the Corn Ferry Tour. At that time, he was offered a boatload of dough from the Live Golf Series, in which Pearson Cootie said, nah, I'm good, thanks. My dream was to play on the PGA Tour. My dream was to win on the PGA Tour. And I want to put my name on the biggest trophies. He says no to the blood dough. And he wins in his third Corn Ferry Tour start, the Live and Work in Maine Open, he wins by five strokes at him and is likely already skulls on his way to the PGA Tour. 
And I'm really glad you made that one of your three dub mark because I, I read the article that was released last week on this story and there, there's a lot of details about not the amount, the amount of the, the dollar figure he was actually offered, but he basically just said it was multi millions of dollars and it was something like Greg Norman tried to get a cell phone number too. It's just everything about Liv just seems sort of dirty and sketchy. So uh, good for Pearson Cootie to get this win. Hopefully we see him on the PGA Tour very soon. Yeah, there is no doubt he is en route. My weird this week, and I know this was on Bob's radar, so we're going to go to Bob for this one. <laughs> Jason Kokrak, who has been rumored to go to the uh, Live Series, is on his way to missing the cut at the uh, Travelers Championship. He's playing his last hole on Friday, which is the par 4 ninth, where a lot of the players were taking it up over the corner all week and turning it into almost a drivable par 4, which is absolutely ridiculous when off the plate it was 396. Now, they were flying at about 330 and trying to chase it over the corner of the front edge. Rory got super close most of the week, just hitting it ridiculously long. Kokrak, one of the longer tours on the PGA Tour, also taking the over-the-corner route. He stands up on a wedge, blades it over the entire green, uh, hits it out of bounds, and proceeds, Bob, to immediately just hand his wedge to his caddy, walk outside the ropes into the player's parking lot, and drive away. He was disqualified for not handing in a scorecard. The rumors start flying. Then stories breaking online is, well, he just didn't want to hold up the group behind him anymore. This is bizarre, Bob. What actually happened out there? Does anybody even know? Well, according to his uh, his playing partner, um, whose name escapes me at the moment. <laughs> anyway, he did, he did it as a, he was going to have to go back. He didn't realize that the ball was out of bounds. So he walked all the way over there expecting it to be inbounds and then didn't want to walk all the way back because the other group was already in the fairway. He knew he was going to miss the cut. So he just said, ah, forget it. I'm walking off and left. So <laughs> I guess it's either you can either say he's being very you can either say he's being very considerate or he's being very lazy. <laughs> oh, now we just got to wait and see. Is the walk off a walk off to the live series? We will find out. And my uh, what this week, guys. What happened to Patrick Cantley? Patrick Cantley, my favorite this week. He was my TSN edge pick. I had him winning this golf tournament. He was in the final group, one shot off the lead to start Sunday, ready to hoist his second victory of the year, playing alongside his best friend. He shoots 76 on Sunday. It was the worst round of the day highlighted to me guys by the tee shot on the par three eighth i mean this is one of the worst shots you are ever going to see by a professional golfer on any tour anywhere in the world this the par three eighth was playing 179 yards it is covered by a water feature that is oh you got to hit it about 150 to carry the water feature. His strike was so poor, poor, it traveled about 130 yards. It barely got into the penalty area. It almost didn't reach the pond, Adam. Did you see the strike? It was, I mean, you. I have never seen a professional golfer in my life hit a tee shot, a tee shot with likely a seven iron, maybe an eight iron, that fat in my entire life. 
You know, the first thing I thought of when I saw that tee shot was back to Jordan Spieth of the 2016 Masters when he hit his tee shot in the final round into the water. But then he took his drop, and then he just chili dipped this wedge from 70 yards that barely made the water hazard. Same thing here with Patrick Cantlay. He was, it looked like he was like an eight handicap going around yesterday trying to grind out a 70, 76. Three pars and 18 holes, too. I mean, it, it, when, a, when, a, when a, one of the world's best players hits one that they're with and they're trying to cover, cover a penalty area or cover a hazard, they usually scream, get up. This was so bad, the entire golf course was yelling, get down, because it had a chance of not getting to the water. Okay, guys, that does it for me. Bob, the tee is yours, sir. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! <laughs> All right, well, my winner this week takes us back to uh, a guy who we haven't heard from much lately. In fact, uh, he was so distressed at the state of his game that he considered quitting golf, and that's Hao Tong Lee, who uh, actually won on the European Tour, on the DP World Tour last week, by holding a 50-foot putt in a playoff to knock off Thomas Peters. Very emotional, obviously, for him. He came off uh, with some tears in his eyes and had a tough time telling everybody about the story, but what a comeback for Hao Tong Lee, and I, I'm just like amazed at the performance and, uh, and what he did. Now he's uh, got his third uh, DP World Tour victory, and uh, is seemingly back on the track, and maybe we'll see him climb up the standings in the President's Cup again. Remember, the, his performance in uh, Australia left a little bit to be desired, so maybe he wants to get back at that as well. Um, and then my weird this week is something that's actually going on right now as we're talking. There is a Monday qualifier for the, uh, for the uh, uh, PGA Tour Canada event in Prince Edward Island. And it's taking place at Belvedere Golf and Country Club, which is the, the, the golf club that's right in Charlottetown. And uh, was actually humble brag here. Was, uh, my great-grandfather was one of the founding members. So there you oh. go. And uh, there is a, the Monday qualifier. Now, a lot of the players who were in this were playing or scheduled to try and play in Saskatchewan. And they came on a flight that was late, delayed. Yesterday, they got in. None of their clubs arrived. There's 20 players out there without, without their golf clubs. And I'll tell you, the people in PEI, as we know, are very uh, gracious, very accommodating. They did everything they could to put sets together for these guys. And some of them are out there playing. And some of them Infanti, who is six under through the first nine holes. <laughs> so he's playing pretty well. So, uh, but I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like that, Mark, of, of so many guys. You hear once or one or two guys, but not 20. That's amazing. Is this not airline travel in 2022, Bob? Like, we're not satisfied till you're not satisfied? That's basically the slogan of every airline and airport on the planet right now. And unfortunately, in, the, in our country, it's really bad at the moment. So you feel for those guys, but nothing shocks me at all anymore with airline travel, Bob. <laughs> but congrats to the people in PEI for making this all happen. Uh, and my what this week is, what do we make of Adam Hadwin, who comes off uh, his first top 10 performance in a major championship, played really well, led the U.S. Open for a week. And what happens when he gets home? He is instructed to put together an IKEA television stand. His uh, wife, Jessica, who is, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you should. She is an all-time beauty on Twitter. And she showed pictures of him 
and with with the you know line saying like, will this test our marriage? Will we be able to survive this? How many missing pieces will there be? Anyway, uh, he did put it all together and he uh, showed it to the to the world. Adam did by taking a picture and saying that everything was survived. Um, Adam, I know you've recently moved in, into a new place, and uh, did you have to buy any IKEA stuff? And have you, what's your experience like with putting IKEA stuff together? You know, Bob, and I, I don't know if my parents are listening to this right now, but people who know me know I'm the least handiest human being in the history of mankind. I'm a big guy, so I can carry I can carry things in, I can do whatever. But I did put together a couple of tables, couple of chairs of the IKEA variety. My big thing about Adam Hadwin, though, was why was his shirt off? Why was he going tarps off to putting all this stuff together? That, that's something that I was a little, little questioned about, that's for sure. Well, uh, we'll have to, uh, have to figure it out. Anyway, the, the tea is yours. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, that is sweet. Okay, gents, my winner this week is Justin Thomas. And you might think, Justin Thomas, your winner, he withdrew last week from the Travelers. What? Well, Justin Thomas withdrew. And, of course, we mentioned the Daniel Berger uh, withdrawing from the John Deere Classic. Anytime someone withdraws now, you think, hmm, live? Maybe, maybe not. But Justin Thomas went right to Twitter saying, before the rumors start flying, I've decided to WD to rest my back, which I tweaked earlier. Hate to be missing one of my favorite events of the year. But then what did he do throughout the rest of the week? He sat and basically live tweeted watching golf, which was great, uh, especially the NG Chun first round, which he was uh, going crazy about because it was an awesome, awesome round of golf. But my favorite from Justin Thomas came after Justin Ray tweeted out, uh, about Rory McIlroy's opening round 62 at the Travelers Championship. And Justin Ray tweeted out, most rounds of 62 or lower on the PGA Tour since the beginning of 2010. Kevin Na leading the way with 10, followed by Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, and Scott Piercy. Well, Justin Thomas replied to that tweet saying, well, it's going to be hard for Kevin to run away from me on this particular list. Kevin Na, of course, now is on the Live Series. So a little hearty har-har there from Justin Thomas. Uh, good on him. Okay, my weird this week. Anurban Lahiri. We haven't heard much from Anurban Lahiri since uh, that runner-up finish at the Players' Championship, but on Thursday, he did something that's very rare on the PGA Tour. He made 18 pars. 18 pars. And this is the weird thing for me. This is the second time in his career he's done this. 504 rounds. The last time uh, was the final round of the 2015 Masters, which is very impressive in itself to make 18 pars at Augusta alone. Mark, did you see uh, Anurban Lahiri do this? And, and what do you think about this? I didn't see any of it. Um, I wasn't with Lahiri this week, but I mean, I got to be honest with you. There's nothing worse than 18 parts. I know that sounds hilarious. If we've got any like 18 handicaps listening to us this morning or, uh, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the majority of our golf audience is like, what is Zucchino talking about? There's nothing worse than 18 parts. I'm talking, you know what 18 parts are? Nice. Okay. <laughs> Decent. You, I mean, you're not even close with 18 pars. You're not too far, okay? It's not like you had a bad day. But, I mean, I'd rather shoot even par with seven birdies than shoot even par with 18 pars. I mean, if you, 18 pars, you really didn't hit a great iron shot all day, and you were putting blindfolded at them. 
Yeah, I agree. But I mean, to do it for the second time in his career, that was something that bizarre, I felt very weird. Okay, my what this week? Going back to Twitter. So last Tuesday, there was a lot of speculation going around about guys going to live. This is when Brooks Kepka was officially announced. But Colin Morikawa was a name that was also rumored, which seemed a little weird. So Colin Morikawa went to Twitter and said, basically, fake news. I'm staying on the PGA Tour. And then this is where this could have been my weird as well. Uh, where Morikawa said, I've said it since February at Riviera that I'm here to stay on the PGA Tour and nothing has changed. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got some cereal to pour in my milk. I mean, what? Like, am I the only, like, this is the weirdest thing. Bob, I'm not sure if you're a big cereal guy, but are you like everyone else in the world to pour cereal in the bowl first and then the milk on top? Is that your cereal eating strategy? Yes, whether it's uh, Captain Crunch or Count Chocula, the cereal goes in first. Those are my two go-tos. The cereal goes in first, and then the milk goes on after. Because how do you measure? You can't measure the milk properly if you don't. If you do it the other way around, it's just silly. Yeah, and and the cereal could get soggy. I mean, there's so many things about this. And even Justin Thomas replied to that tweet from Morikawa saying, "You going milk first is more of a concern than you going anywhere," which uh, which is amazing. But Colin Morikawa, this is this is very strange. It's concerning. It's disturbing. Who does this? It's bizarre. I mean, I drink my coffee black, but I'm assuming he puts like milk and sugar in a cup and then dumps the coffee in. He's just living in reverso world, Colin Morikawa. This is, this is absolutely backwards. This is, you know what this is, guys? He's a great iron player, right? Maybe the game's greatest iron player and great iron players typically play the hole from the green back. So where's the hole location? What angle do I want in, in the hole location? I want it in from the left side of the fairway. Okay, so now I'm going to put my tee shot to the left side of the fairway. So they play the hole in reverse. Bob, that's the only thing that makes sense to me here is that he does everything in reverse. It's uh, the only thing. Yeah, he might, uh, he might put his, uh, his, his woods in the lower end of the bag, you know, and put his putter <laughs> in the big pot end. You know? Yes. <laughs> Yes. All right. There was a ton of golf going on uh, this weekend. On the other side, we will get you caught up on leaderboard updates, let you know who won where. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. ton of golf this week around the globe. Let's get you caught up. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, bushnellgolf.com, the number one rangefinder in all of golf. 
And let's give a shout out first to Wes Heffernan. He wins the 100th edition of the PGA Championship of Canada. Uh, 100th edition. The names on this trophy are just incredible. Palmer, Trevino, Floyd, etc. West gets it done up at Beacon Hall, 10 under par, a five-shot victory, but a huge shout-out to Jim Rutledge at 62 years of age, hanging with the young guys. He gets the solo second, so congratulations to all who competed up at Beacon Hall. On the DP World Tour, you heard it in Bob's Winner's Weird and What, Ho-Tung Lee, a 50-footer, gets it done. He wins over Thomas Peters in a playoff on the DP World Tour. That is the BMW International Open. Also, my winner this week in Winners Weird and What got it done on the Corn Ferry Tour. Cootie, uh, Pearson Cootie, the grandson of Charles Cootie, wins the Live and Work and Main Open by five shots on the Corn Ferry Tour in only his third start. On the Corn Ferry Tour, congratulations. Bright future ahead for Pearson Cootie. We had a major on the Champions Tour. Podrick Harrington holds on for dear life. I mean, he had a monster lead, a five-shot lead for the majority of the front side. He wins by one over Steve Stricker. A Sunday 72 squeezes by Stricker 65. It's 10 under for Harrington, 9 under for Stricker. And all the talk out of the U.S. Senior Open, Podrick Harrington, ball speeds of 180 miles per hour plus. Just smash way to victory. KPMG Women's PGA Championship, NG Chun, 75 on Sunday. Good enough. Gets it done by one over Minji Lee and Lexi Thompson at four under par. She wins another major that is at the new Congressional on the LPGA Tour. And the Travelers Championship, Xander Shoffley also holding on for dear life. It's his second win of the season. His first one came back in the team event alongside Patrick Cantley, who had a rough Sunday. So Xander now joins a large group of multiple winners now on the PGA Tour this season. It's a two-shot win over JT Poston and Sahith Thigala, who double bogeyed the final hole. All right, Scully, I, I saw your face when I say it said Podrick Harrington 180 miles per hour plus all week on the Champions Tour ball speed. To put that in perspective, the average ball speed on the PGA Tour is about 165 miles per hour, 170 miles per hour. If you've got more than 170 miles per hour ball speed on the PGA Tour, you're considered long. If you have less than 165 miles per hour ball speed on the PGA Tour, you're considered Short. If you're obscenely long, i.e. DeChambeau, McElroy, etc., you exceed 180, sometimes 190. On a Champions Tour event, Harrington, 183, 184, this is nuts. This is nuts, and a lot of training going in. Padraig Harrington, he's a great follow on social media too, so chasing some speed. I will say uh, Daniel Berger has tweeted out uh, he's withdrawn because uh, he does, he's having a back issue, so uh, nothing liver-related, but just an injury. 
There you go. Good to news. Good to know. Bob, safe travels to Ottawa. Robert, we'll talk to you uh, this week for Golf Talk Canada Television back at 1 o'clock. Adam, we'll see you back for Golf Talk Canada Television this week. We'll have our TSN Edge picks. We'll take deeper dives. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.